Hello, and welcome to episode one of The Sick Man. Uh, we are here. We live, baby. Um, the NBA season is back. It hasn't been too long, uh, so we, we haven't missed it too much. Um, but, boy, am I happy for it to be back. Um, as you know, uh, this is The Sick Man, so we have got five GMs here on the call with me, um, and we've just gone through the draft. Some are happy. Some might be not so happy with their picks, um, considering we had a couple of games last week. We are currently recording this on Wednesday night UK time, um, which means the slog for staying up late for us British people <laughs> is, is going to begin. Um, you know, and especially for all those GMs that have West Coast teams, I'm, I'm feeling sorry for you. you know, I've got to do my research anyway. So on today's show, we will be breaking out breaking down two divisions, the Atlantic and the Pacific. We will go through each team in that divisions, how they're doing in the run-up to the regular season, uh, how they've been looking in pre-season, their off-season moves. Uh, and then we will go into a segment called Shoot Your Shot. Uh, two people will be pitted against each other. Another person will decide who wins that conversation. Stay tuned for what those topics might be. And then we will finish with some NBA headlines. Um, so what we're going get, to get into now is the division discussion. So each week we will pick two divisions to talk about, um, mainly because we want to explore every team in the league, make sure no one's left out. You know, there are some teams that don't get covered by the mass media. You know, the Knicks are definitely covered a lot more than they should, they sh they should be. Speaking of the Knicks, this is a great segue because the two divisions we're talking about the first division is the atlantic division that we're going to be talking about we're going to break it down team by team and we're going to start with the team that actually won the atlantic last year uh, champs from a couple of years ago they are we the north the toronto raptors so i'm going to head over to he's not in the correct location for the raptors but um <laughs> Yeah, he's still at the, the AAA arena. Um, yeah, I'm still in sunny Miami. Still in sunny Miami. Why are you in Miami? Um, well, let's be honest, England's dark and depressing at the moment. There's more tears than the wedding cake. Miami, you've got freedom there now. So this it's why I'm here. Perfect location for Christmas. Who else would want to spend their Christmas in Miami? Raptors, I feel good about them. Obviously, last season, they won the Atlantic Division. Playoffs. Um, they weren't too terrible in, but obviously could have gone better there. In terms of going into this season, Kyle Lowry's back. Obviously, he had a great season last year, and I'm sure he's going to do well again this year. Siakam, Van Vliet, he was great part of the playoffs last season. So I'm feeling pretty confident about the Raptors. They're always a strong team. Yes, they lost Kawhi a couple of years ago, but last season showed that they can cope without Kawhi. The Raptors went 2-1 in the preseason. They won both games against the Hornets. Um, a player that I picked out was their rookie, Malachi Flynn. He's a backup point guard. Um, he had nine points, four assists in his first game. 17 points, three assists in the second game. Another takeaway from the Raptors, which will be important, I want your thoughts on this, Matt, is they lose Marcus Gasol, they lose a backer. And looking at the rotation, those players are going to be replaced by Aaron Baines, who's their starting guard, and Chris Boucher, and they share minutes, about 20 each. So I'm wondering, what do you think about the transition of that? Um, I think just going forward, like, it's at the end of the day, they're, they're rebuilding the team, aren't they, from, from a few years ago. They've obviously lost um, Serge Ibaka as well. I just, 
I think going forward, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they do. And they're obviously not as strong as they used to be. But giving those minutes, like say to Baines and Boucher, I think I think they've got the ability to to keep the Raptors strong. And I think they I think they'll have a decent season. They're not my they're not my favourite team out of my roster, but I'm I'm confident that they'll be a, that they'll make the playoffs by the end of the season. Well, thankfully, they're not going to have Drake distracting them at the games, you know, touching the coaches. Um, He's going to get a plane from Tampa, baby. He's going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's broken the curse. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's ACL, so he won't be jumping on the court anytime soon either. You say Drake's done his ACL? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Is that true? Damn. What's he been what? doing? Martin <laughs> well, quite late in the video when he was playing KD, I reckon. Aubrey's out for the season. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank was, you, Matt. I was going to say on the Raptors. Are we are we convinced with Siakam? Like, is he that? Is he the guy? Uh, did he get found out in the playoffs? That's what I was thinking about because they get they gave Freddie their money. What were we thinking well, about Siakam? Well, Ed, this this is from my perspective. This is just about the regular season. Who knows if I'm going to select the Raptors by the time the playoffs come? And Siakam, he did well in the regular season last year. Obviously, you struggle with the transition due to being in the bubble. We're not in the bubble anymore in Orlando, so see what happens. Okay. Let's move on to one of my rivals, um, the Green Machine, one of the most successful franchises in the NBA. Uh, Team came second in the Atlantic, the Boston Celtics. Uh, A couple of notes on the Celtics before I go on to the GM is they went 0-2 in the preseason. Lost to my boys, and they lost to the Nets. So let's head over to the GM, and that is Mr. Matthew Bray. And before we talk about your thoughts on Celtics, I just want to—I want to tell you, Bray, that we've been having some fan reactions. Okay, you know, I've, I've been speaking to some fans, and they've been talking about stuff. And you know, a lot of a lot of you, I'm a bit disappointed because we have only one person who has come up with a name, and that's House Lasky. So I congratulate that. Thank you. But. Because of the theme of Bray, you know, choosing the Heat and, you know, being a bit of a bandwagoner, you know, we've come up with a concept of maybe a potential logo. So I'm just going to show you this right now. Wow. <laughs> that is that is horrible. That is horrible. So Bro, I'm going to, until, until you come up with a nickname, I'm going to call you Bandwagon Bray. Okay, so let's take away Bamberg. Okay, you, you're, doing, you're doing me dirty here, yeah? When I went to see the Heat, it was in the middle of their, se- of their regular season. Where, where, let's remember, they were by no means a favourite. They were by no means a favourite. They were solidly mid-table there. They excelled in the postseason, and obviously, great for me, Jimmy's my boy. But, uh, yeah, you're doing me a bit dirty there. I, I need, you're right, though. I will work harder. I'll, I'll get a nickname. Um, but, uh, it's yeah. sticking until you change it um, I will change it I will change it but, talk to um, me about yeah. the Celtics the Celtics only two in the preseason it's the preseason so let, I, I don't really want to put any stock in it um, low minutes for all of the key guys um, for you know for Jordan Brown for Jason Tatum you know they're adding in a load of new pieces as well um, they the moves in the off-season were by no means, like, massive, but they lost uh, Haywood, obviously, to the Hornets. Um, and then the only other people they lose are Cantor, 
do, you know, as we know, can't play canter. And um, Brad Wanamaker, who a backup point guard, yeah, you just don't like it. It, it. It's not safe hands. They did, however, bring in this slightly aging Jeff Teague. Um, throwback from the Hawks base. Obviously, he is no by no means what he used to be. But he's been in the league a long time. And when Kemba's not on the floor, he knows what he's doing. Like, it's just what you need. He knows what he's doing more than Brad Wanamaker anyway. So, um, yeah, yeah, but the real key, the key signing for them, obviously, is Tristan Thompson. Really shores them up. I will say, my man Teague, he's shooting the best he's ever shot from three. <laughs> so, you're welcome. I'll give you that. <laughs> man, man's efficient. Man is, man is efficient. Um, he's not putting up huge stats, but he's efficient. So, he's obviously contributing. But, yeah, as I said, Tristan Thompson, the boy, um, he is yeah, – I think he's had a bad name in recent years because he had a really massive contract, which meant that everyone went, oh, we just overpaid. He's not that good. No, no, no. He's still a really good NBA player. Like he's had, he has finals experience, um, and I think he's a perfect fit for the team. I think he'll play centre for them a lot. I, I think they'll probably stack the guards and the forwards, um, playing you know Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum at the small forward power forward, so they can get smart in that lineup as well. I think their crunch time lineup of of Walker, Smart, Brown, Tatum, and Thompson is that's as good a five as you're going to get. They complement each other really well. They're not clogging up the paint too much. And, uh, you know, this, I just, I like it a lot. Um, and obviously with the quartermaster, um, the, you know, future president of the United States, um, Brad Stevens, um, he's, yeah, he, trust me, that guy, that guy, he's, 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 he's such a great coach. Um, and I but think... I'm going to challenge you, Bray, because here's, here's my point with Brad Stevens, right? If he was such a good coach, then why is Tatum playing ISO ball in, in the crunch? In playoffs, ask me that. You because that that's how that's how that's how the game is played in the playoffs. Like you have to have someone who can go out and get you a bucket, and Tatum just needs needs those reps uh, before he can get there. I, I fully support if 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 I had Jason Tatum on my team, and they said, "All right, we need a bucket," give him the ball, man. Give him the ball. Um, I think they've got um, slightly, obviously, slightly better personnel this year to complement him. Um, and to be honest, though, I think out of the two, I think Brown is the one who could really make another jump this year because um, he is, he's currently, he's definitely the number two punch. I, I would like to see a 1A, 1B uh, with those two. Okay. Any more, any more about Celtics? What do you think? This year, I mean, you talk about people taking a, a certain step in the right direction. I think because we had such a small, oh, there I go. Um, since we had such a small, um, <laughs> Oop, <laughs> such a small time is. in the off-season, <laughs> um, that what we saw from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum isn't going to be too dissimilar to what we're seeing from them at the beginning uh, of this season, given the amount of time and the lack of that they had to prepare to get that much better. Usually at this point, we're wondering, oh, what have they added to their game, this and that. They had less time to do all of that this year, so they need to work on hopefully getting their efficiency up um, and doing that. But I'm excited for them. I, I'd argue that they probably got a little bit better than they were last year in terms of their, their roster as well. I agree with you there, Bray. Yeah. yeah. Thank, thank you, Bandwagon Bray. Um, and you know what you need to do for next week. You know, Otherwise, these pitches will, will keep coming back and they will be haunting you. Okay. Now, 
let's let's head no let's head over no bias to you know the oh, best team in the NBA. <laughs> uh, trust the process. Okay, so that's what you want to feel. I feel like the process is back. Okay, you know, uh-huh. Sam Hinky spirit lives on forever. I love Daryl Morey. You know, we had talks of Ben Simmons maybe getting traded. You know, what does he do? He diffuses it straight away. I'm, I'm just such a big fan. But Wildy, tell me what are your thoughts on the Sixers? My thoughts on the Sixers, well, like they, we only had two preseason games to go off with then. They went 2-0. Um, I know that we can't really lean too much on records of preseason, but yeah, I've been watching them play, seeing how they're adjusting with things. We obviously talked about um, things that people were pointing out the holes in Ben's game potentially, but he's been playing so well. Um, the way they've been doing it, I mean, they've got three ball handlers on the floor and they've been utilizing every single one of them. If there's even a hint of transitional basketball, they are outletting it straight to Ben and they're running full pelt so that he can either get to the rim, get to the free throw line, or if they build a wall like they do against someone like a Yanis, then he's scored enough of a passer to get it out to any, any of the open shooters. And, you know, if things are slowed down a little more, you know, if, the other team has scored and they're bringing it in, um, then they're more likely giving it to Seth or Tobias Harris to bring the ball up. And then they're running a high pick and roll um, with Embiid and they're having Ben Simmons in the dunker spot, which for people that don't know, the dunker spot is is on the weak side uh, just by the block so that when the defence rotates over, they can dump it down to him and he can, he can work inside on the post with his hooks because... Yeah, he, he took he took one three um, that you know looked pretty confident, but it didn't go in. I, but again, I don't think that's really what they're going to be focusing on because if they try to make him something he's not, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be a long season. And they're talented with what they are, so they just need to hammer that home and uh, yeah, keep moving from there. Really, he he played extremely well on the defensive end. Like he just does. What's something I really value about Ben is that he tries on defense. A lot of players, they can earn their keep from scoring. And you've seen so many people just sort of, you know, log themselves out on the other side of the ball. Um, And Shake Milton, you know, we talk about a guy who dropped near 40 points against the Clippers out of nowhere. He's become our sixth man of the year. He had really two really good games. Uh, And Tyrese Maxey has impressed me as well. Absolutely. Shake Milton... Uh, he got 19 in the first game, 15 in the second. Uh, he's having an absolute party, uh, party off the bench. So he's, <laughs> he's doing really well. I'm liking what he's doing. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. I think the other thing as well is I think it's quite interesting. You obviously added Dwight Howard into the lineup where if you're, you're obviously starting with Joel, uh, Dwight had a chance to start um, in game two of the preseason because Joel was out. Um, but what I think I think it's a really interesting sort of duo. Not at the same time on the floor, but you're playing against Embiid, who stretches the floor. He's a very skilled and mellow type player. And then all of a sudden, you have him on the bench. You bring in Dwight Howard, who's high energy, uh, pick and roll type player. Um, It's just a really weird dynamic that defenses are going to have to deal with because there's two very different styles of players that are really good at what they do. 
Um, ultimately, it boils down to Dwight Howard being a really good pick and roll player and Joe and B being a pick and pop player. So you really got to have your wits about you when they're making their rotations. Speak about Dwight Howard, I saw a couple of shakes ahead from Bray. I don't think he's on the Dwight Howard train. Um, I'm I'm on it because he's you know he's on my team and he's a champion. But Bray, tell me tell me why you're not feeling this. So I was I was out on Dwight Howard last season when he was with the Lakers. <laughs> I was like, there's this guy is going to be terrible. There's no way he's going to contribute. Like his 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 career is over, and he proved me wrong. Um, but that didn't stop like these weird little stories. Like that guy is a weird guy. He just doesn't like mesh normally with people. What stories you and, like, I think Tell us the stories. Yeah. Uh, it's just like <laughs> you, guys rem- you guys remember the Kelly the um uh the Kelly Oubre comments when he was on the Wizards. Like shit like that. Like it, that that guy is I think he likes to go out a lot. I think when when LeBron's on a team, LeBron can be like Dwight, shut up, sit down and stop stop just doing this crazy shit. Um, but with without someone like that, I think Dwight could just be he could be he could be less than a zero. He could just be disturbing that locker room, maybe. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't rate him. Um but um I will say on the Ben Simmons front and I do have um a bit of an investment there. Fantasy team. Um he was first team on defense last year. That guy is is seriously good. Um but Wardy, um what would you say to the prospect of a James Harden trade. Um, obviously, they said it's not coming anytime soon, but um, what, what, what do you think? Do you think you'll be seeing James Harden in the season? Well, whenever anybody is talking about actual trade and having James Harden go to Philadelphia, the only thing, the only murmurs that are saying is that look, it's going to have to be Ben for James. If Ben plays at the kind of level that we've seen him play at, as Alex says, on defence and from what we've seen from him on offence in the preseason, moving forward, it's just not going to be a situation I want to walk into um, and trade that up. If he's given this kind of production, then there's no reason to make the move because they're going to be successful with what they already have. They've made the moves they want to make. Um, bringing in James Harden isn't you know, necessary for them. So if they can figure this out, then it's not going to be something. Nice. Okay, so we're going to head to the fourth team. But before you, did, you do that, before I do that, sorry, um, I'm going to put another person on blast. Okay, so... <laughs> you know, I was waiting the, for it. The, I knew the, it. The person <laughs> that I'm going to, you know, he, he's looking uh, very nervous right now, and he should be. Um, you know, he was having a good draft and he potentially picked one of the most shocking teams, you know, even, even somebody who's a fan of them was against them. Anyway, so because this guy's name is Jordan, um, you know, I, I thought, why not link him to the greatest player of all time? But because he chose the Chicago Bulls in his draft, I'm not linking him to the one that we all remember. I'm linking him to Wizards Jordan. <laughs> I'll so, take that. I'll so you know, well, we're going to call you Jordan 03. You should have never come back. You should have never <laughs> Chicago Bulls. You know, keep it there. You 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 hit the game-winning shot. You won a championship on your last ever shot. It was the perfect shot. Just don't come back. I look. We all know you can play. We all know you can. <laughs> but 
I just want to get into that. But now we talk about the team, and that is the Brooklyn Nets. This is something which is really interesting. Um, you know, we've got we've got Kyrie, Mr. Sage, pre-game <laughs> doing all that nonsense. Um, but can I just say I don't like the guy and what he does outside of it, but on the court. One of the best one-on-one players, and I can't even deny that guy is a straight wizard. George, mm. how are you feeling about the Nets? Bro, what can I say? We is back, first of all, for the NBA. Like you said, <laughs> short break. I'm happy it's back. And for this moment, for the KD and Kyrie matchup in Brooklyn, boy, I I would be lying if I said that I wasn't waiting or excited for this. Like, I was always counting down for that next season when they're playing. When you're watching the Brooklyn Nets, you're thinking, oh, if Kyrie and um, KD were there, oh, beautiful. So I'm glad it's finally here. First game was good, and Steve Nash is there, and he got a win for his first game. So that's big up to him, and it was a beautiful game to watch, to say that. Um, Watching them move the ball and pass it about, I think, um, before we actually got to see them, like a lot of people were worried with the Kyrie and KD matchup with um, having the balls in their hands too much um, and how that would work. But I think like last night's game kind of proved that it works well. Like it was really good game, really good and entertaining. Like one, two, five, ninety-five. Yeah. Final score was. Have you? Have you heard of the KD and Kyrie nickname? I just saw it briefly. Briefly, it's uh, Seven Eleven, which I quite, I really, I really like. I like that a lot. I know that's not, you know, for all of the people listening in the UK, it's not British based, and I can't think of a UK um, nickname. But that's, I really like that as well. In in terms of what they did last night, twenty six points from Kyrie in twenty five minutes. He was he was whoever offense, whoever was guarding him. It was a score. It was a bucket. You've got two shooters, somebody that I really like, Landry Shamet, he's going to get a lot of open shots. Joe Harris, is he got a big contract. He's going to get a lot of open shots. All they need to do is make is make threes. You know, that's as easy as possible. The one thing that I found really interesting is they've got Dinwiddie starting and they've got Karras Lever coming off the bench. He had a really good yeah. game as well. Incredible game. Yeah. Um, and then you've got they also won the rebounding battle last night and they shot 42% as you guys, uh, as we spoke about before, really well from three. Um, they said live and die by the three, but to be honest, that's just another alternative. They've got so much, they've got so much depth on that team. They've got Jarrett Allen, who is somebody that maybe be an asset moving forward, but if they keep him, he could potentially end up going in the starting lineup. I don't know. Does anybody have any other comments wow. about Brooklyn Nets? What do you think, Matt? Yeah, as I, I watched the uh, first half of the game last night, and I have to say, considering the Warriors order, they're in my roster. I was very impressed by Brooklyn <laughs> and very disappointed by the Warriors last night. So uh, I'll touch more on that later. But yeah, the Nets were really impressive. Curry was his handles were outstanding, and KD looked pretty good considering it was his first game back in a long, long time. I was, I quickly also wanted to say sort of what you were saying, Alex, with Karis Levert, what Jordan was saying about the 7-11 and what Matt was saying about um, the Nets offensively. They just looked so smooth. Like they were moving mm-hmm. the ball around so nicely and they were finding the open man. But then again, 
they could drop it off to Kyrie and KD and they could play iso ball and get buckets. You're like, shit, that's the best combo for for, for an offense. You can get a bu- bucket at will with KD or Kyrie, but then you can also move the ball around in the half court. And Karis Levert, when he came on, was just such instant offense. He he must be loving getting to work against all those second units in the NBA saying, cool, I've got you on skates. He was doing this in the playoffs, albeit Brooklyn Nets didn't win anything, but he was doing it in the playoffs last year. He's now doing it against second units. I'm, I'm actually worried I'm worried about what the Nets can do this year. They look really good. But again, then again... Very dangerous. Can't really say too much about their defence because it didn't look like the Warriors knew what they were doing on offence. So I guess their defence will see we'll, when they come up against the Sterner test. We'll get... We'll get to the Warriors. We've got a lot to talk. We've got a lot to uncover about the Warriors. We will get to that later in the show. Let's head, let's head back to Ed with the last Atlantic team, the New York Knickerbockers. No, no one's as excited about that. I just cut yourself listen, there, Ed. Listen, Ed, Ed you, you, ha- you were over 500 in the preseason. That's all I'm going to say. It's not going to happen again. So... I hate those sort of stats because they're completely misleading. The teams they played twice against the Pistons and twice against the Cavs. Um, oh, you're over 500, but bet it's against still. two shit teams. We're going to be better than three, three and one, three and one. Go on, then. How, um, how do you feel? All right, hear me out. Hear me out. So obviously, <laughs> looking at us like, ah, oh, it's the fucking Knicks. But then I was reading quite a few stuff from the beat writers in New York and just getting a bit bit better understanding of the team. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if we've got a couple of breakout players. Like RJ, sophomore year, you know, he can do bits. You've got Obi, Obi Tobin. He, rim running, okay, defense has always been a question, but he can get you buckets in the low post, hopefully, and that's what the Knicks are hoping. Mitchell Robinson, I mean, him and Obi Tobin could be a fun little match that they've got there in the, in the front court. Okay, I'm not expecting them to make the playoffs. I'm not expecting mm. them to have 40 wins. But, no, 20 wins? 20, okay, more than 20 wins. Let's say, potentially, could they get 30 wins? Um, they're, they're better than, I think, a lot of the other lower teams in the East. I do think they have a bit more potential. And, Bray, I see you shaking your head, but remember who their coach is as well. We, I, I, I don't, <laughs> I haven't asked you, I haven't asked you about this, this person, but I know who the coach is, and I, I think you like this coach as well. He does. Leave it at that. Um, and I think that is, that is the overriding thing. Like, you know what? With Thibodeau, can he light a fire up? Maybe RJ's ass or Obi Topin or maybe Mitchell Robinson or even quickly, quickly, you know, people seem to like him. He might be really good. I don't know. We'll see. Could be fun. Uh- um, Ed, I have, a, I have a question based off Emmanuel quickly. Uh, go on. How many games before he becomes the starting point guard in that team? Because a lot of people, like you said, a lot of people like him. I know that Alfred Payton's future is at stake, something which you have a bit of share in. How are you feeling about that? Uh, so I'll address it. So when I was looking at the roster, I completely forgot that Smith Jr. was also in the next roster. And I was like, oh man, I do feel bad for him because... I remember that draft, that was the Lonzo draft, the De'Aaron Fox draft, quite a few point guards that year. Um, and he, I think he went 10th that year to Dallas, didn't turn out how he wanted to, part of the Porzingis trade. Yeah. I was really hoping he could push on, but it doesn't seem like it. And I'm just looking at the Knicks' schedule. Uh, Alfred should be the starter up until game four against Cleveland. I think that's when they maybe can drop him in, considering he had a good preseason 
game against them. I reckon game four against Cleveland is when he he could start, and that's not a bad that's not a bad starting lineup. I would say well, it's not too bad. Maybe I'm just I'm just overestimating it. You'll have so it'll be. I think it's good to be an optimist. It'll be quickly. Alec Burks, RJ, Obi, Mitchell Robinson. That could get a couple wins, no? Maybe. Yeah, a couple. Also, <laughs> all right. There's also a fun fact out of New York. Um, they actually signed Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who was the second pick. Jeez, I think it's back in 2014. They've actually just released him, which is crazy. So, you know, I, a couple of things. A, go on, go on, Bray. There's oh, yeah. a reason for that, though, isn't there? I think they signed them and then released them for the rights so, so they can bring him back later in the season if they want. I think that might be it. I, I, I'm not too sure on that, to be honest with you. That's the first I heard. I just saw he was released. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I've just seen the future and the Knicks end up with five wins so disregard everything I just said uh, <laughs> so last thing I'll say about the Knicks uh, Alex you were saying about their signing of players I saw that the Knicks don't have any players in their squad over the age of 30 which make of it what you will um, I don't think it's necessarily a good sign um, saying that as you mentioned earlier Alex Knicks do get a lot of mainstream media talk and you get those talking heads, obviously, in New York, ESPN, whatever. And they were saying that they were confused. Some were confused about the Knicks signings. They signed these random-ass players on two-year contracts. Uh, the reason being is they went against the good books of some of the um, agents of players. And if they help out some clients, they can help them in the future with other clients gaining contracts. The other good thing about these short-term contracts is that it provides more flexibility in the future. Whereas they've gone wrong previously, they may give someone a four or five year contract. Gordon Hayward, oh, sorry. Um, and they'll get stuck in their books for multiple years and can't get rid of them. So these shorter contracts help them uh, with their, you can sort of say cash flow in the long term, being able to, to move around and pick free agents when they would like to. So that's sort of their, their process moving forward. That's their thinking, which sort of works in the long run. But for me, for what we're doing this year, it doesn't work for me. I need wins, baby. I need wins. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thankfully this isn't like, you know, you aren't tied down to a four-year contract with the Knicks and you can escape. <laughs> um, thank you guys for all your thoughts on Atlantic. We'll take a quick break and we're going to Pacific. Here we are. We've just spoke about the Atlantic and we're going to move on to the Pacific. We are going to go back to 03 Jordan. Uh, and we're going to talk about the reigning champs, the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron picked up his fourth ring in the bubble. Um, they've drastically improved in the offseason. Uh, went 4-0 in the preseason. They had a game last night. George, how did it go? Um, yeah, so ring night. Great celebration as usual. Um, obviously, um, everyone would like to still have that win on their ring night. But unfortunately for the Lakers tonight, uh, last night, that wasn't to be the case. Uh, ended 109 to 116 to the Clippers. Um, what can I say about that game? Like LeBron James ended with 22 AD 18, but uh, Paul George and I should I should be talking about the Lakers, but Paul George uh, just went off that night. 
it seemed like everything he was doing was just disrupting from one end of the floor to the other, just getting those brackets in really three-pointer inside. And then, of course, um, Kawhi Leonard as well, getting in there and doing damage. So, yeah, it was just, um, I think the Clippers felt like from last season, they had something to fight back for from their performance from last season. And they, they showed it that night, really. Um, yeah. One thing I realised, um, the the outcome of that game was really interesting. So in the first quarter, the Clippers go on this big run. They're mm. up by near enough 20 points. Lakers bring it back at halftime. And then the third quarter, it's, it's a bit uneven. And then, as you said, Paul George explodes in the fourth quarter. However, LeBron isn't on the floor yeah. when this happens. Yes, AD's on the floor. He's a great defensive player. But like, I just think that LeBron, he all... While he spoke about Westbrook and taking it up to another level, LeBron is the best person to do that. He knows when to lock in, and you know he can do more than just doing a black screen on Instagram. Yeah, to do that. That's what I'm saying. Like that's what I was stating in terms of the Clippers were hungry for that game. It seems way more hungry, and to just leave LeBron out on the of the fourth quarter, I feel like the Clippers were there to fight and prove something again, what I mentioned for last season, really, with that. One one question for you, George. Would you have extended Kyle Kuzma? You just recently got a big extension and they just paid him some money. He's more likely yeah. going to be more of a bench, a bench player coming off for their second unit, which is considerably strong. Yeah. Um, me personally, from a, a, a low aspect or familiarity aspect, I would have loved to keep Carl Kuzma. I see that, but in terms when you think about it um, in a more smart way, with the players which they have and the roster, I feel like you mentioned before, um, for what they're paying for him and what they're giving him, it doesn't seem like at the moment that he will be minutes which I feel that he can play and he I feel he's proven that he can play and contribute to the team on a big level I feel with the signing it's a major shaky area right now on what's going to be next for Kuzma so just have to keep watch for that yeah I disagree I disagree I think I think that is that is a fantastic contract for Kyle Kuzma is he with yeah. Clutch because they they drafted him. Like, that, that, don't, that, don't get wrong. It's a great contract, but I'm in. I'm talking about in terms of the usage that he'll be seeing in uh, comparison to the roster. That's what I'm looking at in terms of how the Lakers will be using him going forward. And I agree. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, I think it's perhaps a trade-friendly contract. And yeah, they might be looking looking to flip. For someone who fits that roster, as you say, a little bit better. Than yeah, Carl that's Kuzma. what I'm thinking. Interesting. Right, let's move on to House Lasky. He's he's actually currently. I don't know if this was planned. He's in sort of Clippers colours. Um, so we're going to go to the other side of LA. Clippers and Knicks colours. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so the Clippers. Uh, they lose in Game 7, have a massive meltdown to the Nuggets in the bubble. Pretty shocking, to be honest. Um, I know LeBron spoke about it on his podcast. And 
they were pretty confident they would end up facing them. Uh, there's a lot of changes in the off season. They lose. They they fire Doc Rivers, uh, pick up Ty Lue. Ed, how are you feeling about the Clippers? They obviously played last night. We just spoke about it. What did you see? So I want to take it back to take it forward. Um, I I did I did sports science at at A level, and I remember one of the things that stuck out to me is doing team dynamics and how the evolution of a team, the, the phases a team can go through. And remember for that specific theory, it was forming, storming, norming, performing. I would say last year, Clippers went through their forming and storming phase. So the forming, they got Kawhi Leonard, they got Paul George, they got their team. They thought, you know, it'll be, it'll all be fine and dandy. You know what? We'll just turn up for the playoffs. The regular season doesn't matter. We'll load manage whatever. We'll turn up in the playoffs. That didn't happen. That's when they went through their storming phase where, you know what, Paul George did the thing of blaming. I hated what he did on all this movie. Like, you know, we just didn't make any adjustments. Like, come on, why can we make any adjustments? Like, come on, grow the fuck up. Like, take some responsibility over over your role and not just put it on Doc Rivers. Anyway, Pandemic yeah. P. <laughs> so that's that's what I feel is their, uh, that's their storming phase. I'm hoping now this year is their norming and performing phase of their team building. They've got Ty Lewin. I don't. I was going to say there's the, the players can't say much to Tyloo because he's got a chip. But same thing about Doc Rivers, um, and we won't get into that Boston Celtics chip and how like a lot of those players are still around the coattails of that one chip. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, <laughs> Paul Pierce, I mean. Um, saying that, take it back to the Clippers. Hopefully, Tyloo can notice. Hey, this is where we're going. One in terms of the team dynamic. Why you have to be out for your team. You can't do what you were doing last year because look at what it ended. Look at how it ended. We have to go all in in the regular season, and then in the playoffs, we have that's when we have to have our peak performance. That's the sort of psych- psychology I'm looking at it and team dynamic, or it ju- might just be me talking myself into the Clippers making it, having the top seed because we are doing a regular season draft. So that's my thinking about them overall. Um, in terms, so I was looking at their box box score from last night, and then when I saw that Nicholas Batum played 28 minutes. I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, oh, shit. I'm not sure how I'm feeling. To be fair, he got six six assists and six rebounds, uh, three points. But um, as you mentioned earlier, Alex, we, uh, we're, on, we're in the UK, so it's hard to watch West Coast games that tip off at three o'clock. So I, don't, I doubt many UK lot watch this, but We'll see. I mean, I'm not buying into Paul George hype for the playoffs. Good thing, again, it's just regular season. I know Paul George can ball out in the regular season, so long may this continue. I I was following them through preseason. They went 0-3. Yeah, they played Lakers twice, lost once to the Jazz. In their games, there was there was there was a uh, 16 players like have it. Sorry, 18 players played over 20 minutes. I thought they were trying to do load management to the whole team. Uh, and then you know they come out first game Paul George played 36 minutes last night Kawhi played 34 and don't get me wrong Paul George 13 of 18 from the floor and 33 points in 36 minutes I know he gets he gets a lot of slander um I want to speak to Matt about this uh, coming from someone from an introductory phase because Paul George is somebody I think in a sense, gets abused by the basketball by basketball fans for not bringing it, and especially when, in the moments that matter the most. Uh, what are your thoughts on Paul George, Matt? Well, 
as someone who's obviously much newer to the NBA than the rest of you guys, this, from what I've been hearing, obviously Paul George, yes. And it was proven in the playoffs last year, pandemic P, when it came to the crunch time, he bottled it. No two words about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, not to say anything that that demeans him as a player or anything. He's obviously still got that ability. But yeah, I do think that he's a great player, as proven by last night's performance. But yeah, like when, when the crunch comes, can he, can he bring it up? You know what? I do think that the Clippers probably can do. And I think he is, along with Kawhi, I think more than capable of bringing the Clippers to probably the conference finals this season, whereas obviously they finished in the last year. Yeah, I think he's. I think there's always something more wanting from Paul George. Yeah, you're always wanting more with with Pippi. I think can he get to the next stage? It's interesting. Let's head over to Wiki Wiki Wow Smith. All right, uh, and let's head over to the Valley. Um, is it hot in Arizona? Uh bit. Let's put it. It was definitely hot for uh, for a lot of their guys in their game four. So, um, in terms of what they want to be looking to do in the regular season, they actually had a whole different range of starting lineups due to Chris Paul only playing two of the four games. Um, Jay Crowder uh, missed two of the games as well. Um, they, so it, it just led them to have you know a few different lineups that they weren't too sure they were playing around with that that power forward spot um, in games one and two there Jaden Smith then Cameron Johnson uh, because of Joe Crowder not being there but as soon as he came back he was the obvious choice for them so he can guard multiple positions and hit that three there's one of the main reasons that I picked them and then as I explained within our draft um, the fact that they lost all four of their games I mean they played the Jazz the first two games uh it's actually really even. I was looking at the summaries of the first game. It was really even, but it just came down to three-point shooting. Utah hit seven more threes than them. It was 17 to 10 threes, and that put them over the edge, really. Um, so the fact that they did that without having Chris Paul, pretty interesting stuff there. Uh, game two, uh, they got smoked on the boards. Really go there, got 20. Um, and their highest rebound was Dayton. So the Suns weirdly have quite a uh, steady um, average of rebounds between every single player. Um, so, you know, the highest rebounder only having 8 to 20 is a little bit misleading. But, you know, the, the numbers, it was, it was 37 to 54 rebounds uh, in that game too. And then it got a little bit more interesting uh, against the Lakers. The games were a lot closer. Uh, they had Jay Carter back, Chris Paul, for one of those games. The games were decided between a point or three uh, in, in both games. So you know, I think once they have everybody together and clicking, it's going to look really good. In the preseason, when you know things are inconsistent with the lineups, you want to look at how what each individual player is doing by the end of it. In game four against the Lakers, all starting five players had, were in double figures um as well as well as Galloway um off of the bench so it's looking pretty good a lot of the guys are getting comfortable and um yeah they've got some guys they got coming back um that are yeah they're looking pretty good to be more 
led by Chris Paul, the um, the first true point guard, the best the best player to control a team. And like you said, Chris mm. Paul is on steroids. And he's also, you know, the best person in commercials in the in the league so far. You know, those State Farm <laughs> adverts are really good. I really rate them. I can't stand American commercials, but those are very good. So I hope he keeps on doing those. Interesting team to look out for. Um, I'm really hoping for Booker and Aiton State that they really make a push towards their playoffs. I think Monty Williams was gonna is the best person to help them get there. Um, what's nice. really good about, oh, sorry. Um, Go what's really good about it is that now that you've got because of CPB in there, Devin Booker he averaged six assists last season. Um, but now with Chris Paul, there's a really good link up between him and Aiton, and it would just allow Booker to be Booker. I mean. He's such a complete offensive player that he's scoring from wherever he wants to. Um, and now he didn't have to worry so much about getting the assists, even though we know he's capable of it. Yeah. Nice little Game of Zones reference coming up. I didn't, I didn't even know we put this together. I swear I didn't plan it. But, you know, we're actually doing the Sun Kings. Uh, we're moving from the Phoenix Suns <laughs> to the Sacramento Kings. Um, still waiting on that. Them joining forces. <laughs> Sun Kings. <laughs> Let's go to Bandwagon Bray. I know you still haven't thought of a name. I'm still going to do it. Um, I'll resent how, that. It's... How are the Sacramento Kings doing? Uh, the Sacramento Kings are doing all right. Um, they had a decent preseason with Mr. 2K Generic, Kyle <laughs> Guy, who I'm sure no one has ever heard of. Hitting a walk-off game winner against the Warriors out of nowhere. Dude had 20 points in that game. Kyle Guy, he is like, oh, I don't never heard of him before until I saw him make this game winner in a preseason game. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously the guy's good. He's on a team, but yeah. Um, there you go, Kyle Guy. In terms of what they did in the off-season, honestly, don't like it. Don't like it at all. They let Bogdanovich, they let Bogdanovich walk for nothing. Um, you've got to at least match the offer, um, or and and you've got to sign him and then get something for him. Like that's just GM one GM one hundred and one. Um, they they draft Halliburton, who you know that's that's you know could be a solid player. The benefit of losing Bogdanovich is now that um, now Buddy Hill can soak up more shots, more minutes, um, and you kind of have their their key three in Fox healed. And Marvin Bagley, who was has been touted as 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 you know, uh, he was a top pick in his draft and hasn't been able to deliver on the same level as someone like Aiton, for example, who's is a relatively good comp. But you know, he's got talent, and if he's able to make the jump, this team could could be something. Obviously, they've got a lot of dead weight on this team with the likes of Harrison Barnes, um, and. Yeah, there's Hassan just Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside, that is more dead weight right there. Jabari Parker. Um, there's, 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 that's a lot of minutes and a lot of shots that you just don't want to see. Fingers crossed, they play their young guys, get some development. Um, I think there is an argument to say that they are, you know, on paper, probably the worst team in, in the Pacific. I would say on paper, they could easily be the worst team. And I'm just waiting for the Chris Paul experiment to not work out. I'm waiting for him oh. to piss some people off there and that not work. I'm waiting for the Golden State Warriors experiment to not work. 
You know, I, I think the, the Golden State haven't got enough. I think Draymond's, you know, he's not 100%. Uh, and I'm waiting for the Sacramento Kings to come snooping around and just steal a few games here, steal a few games there. And the best, absolute best case scenario for them, sneak into the play-in in the 11th, 11th spot and then lose a game to whoever's going to be there. That is the right. best case scenario right. for this team. Right, I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. But Kings possibly had one of the worst GMs of all time. Okay, <laughs> so do. you need to concentrate on your team instead of put, talking <laughs> smoke to other teams. And you need to put some respect on Chris Paul's name. Yeah, Everybody what right. experiment Every, are you talking about? The Scrooge of the NBA. What's with that? Yeah, exactly. Look <laughs> at this sort of hater over here. God. Making it sound no. like he's the Marcus Cousins. No, he's <laughs> on the Rockets and your <laughs> Chris Paul is insanely talented, but he is difficult to work with. No, I might say. Used with James Harden, so, also on the Rockets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, he's he, he's just he can be he has quite an abrasive personality. I feel, um, and especially with someone who is just evidently so much more talented in Booker, uh, it'd be interesting to see what that dynamic turns out with. There is potential it goes south, um, at which point I reckon the Kings are, are in a good position. But and if that doesn't happen, the Kings ain't looking that good. <laughs> Quickly, just want to say one thing. Who from the Kings starting lineup will make it into the Suns starting lineup? None. Uh, no one, no one. No one, there's no one. That's, a, that's a mic drop right there. Yeah, there's no one. And Buddy's I mean, my boy. Yeah, it's just a shame that obviously Buddy and Booker play the same position. Like, if, to be fair, like, you could probably slide Buddy in there and move Booker to the three or something. But that, that would be the move. And then maybe, like, if Chris Paul goes down, you put him Fox. But, like, literally, it's just like injuries and blow-ups is, is you, really the only way. Are you guys trying to make the Sun Kings happen here? Is that, this, is that what you're trying to do? <laughs> it's not happening. It was all fictional. Hey, the Kings wish. <laughs> Let's, we're going to talk about teams not doing well. I'm going to go to the last team on the Pacific. We're going to head to Matt. Um, just before I intro this team, um, have you called the fire alarm? Are the alarm bells ringing? Because what I saw last night, I don't know. There's 72 games in the season. That's all I'm going to say. You better say them on that. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. No. Um, 72 games. The first one, Draymond Green was injured. It was obvious that the Warriors couldn't handle the Nets' uh, offense last night. Um, Kyrie, KD were just making them look silly. There was options everywhere across the court. They were missing that commander. And that is what Draymond Green gives them on the floor. He's going to be back, apparently, for the Christmas Day game against the Bucks. I guess we'll see how he is there and what effect that has on the Warriors. But it's not over just yet. There's nothing to be alarmed about too much. I think James Wiseman, he had a good game. He, um, he I think he picked up about 19 points, six rebounds, something like that. Steph, yeah, he was a little bit off, but he still got a double-double. It's not horrendous. It's just not good. It's... To be honest, I, I watched that game last night. I looked at Steph on the bench after he checked out. The Warriors trailed for 20 to 30 points for most of that game. Yeah. And you've got Curry. He Yes, he dropped a double-double. He got 20 points, 10 assists. But 
it's it's Andrew Wiggins. Okay, Andrew yeah. Wiggins, you know, he thought that he was the guy that, you know, they could get A on a project and he doesn't do much work, you know, when you see Clay. Because Clay, you know, he wasn't injured before. But now that Clay is out of there, he has to step up and do some work in this group project. This guy, four of 16, four turnovers. He, he's not going to handle the pressure. And to be honest, he's going to be out. He's going to be out before long. That's my thing. Yeah. yeah, that's the main concern, I think, is obviously, like Steph, Steph, Kelly, Ray Jr., he can step up when needs to be. But yeah, I think it's with Wiggins. He's the one. Everyone's been waiting for him to step up for some time. Last night, he didn't. Last night was a good opportunity for him to show his authority, really. Um, yeah, and he just didn't take that opportunity whatsoever. Um, but you know what? It's a long season. I, I'm still fairly confident. Obviously, it was a damaging blow. But yeah, I, I think there's some still positives to be taken from it, especially with Wiseman, who could well be up for Rookie of the Year by the end of the season. And yeah, it's it's not it's not the end. Yeah, I think he made a, he made a three as well, which is really impressive. Um, I just, to be honest, I feel really sorry for Steph. Yeah. I think for them to be what we expect them to be, he's going to have to be the MVP of previous years. Yeah. Um, and he has to take on a lot more. And don't get don't get me wrong, he's one of the only players that can do that. It's just he's he's gone through a lot and he's he's had injuries and you know the the wear and tear. I just I I'm unsure. Like that first game, it is one game, but alarm bells would be ringing in my head. I think I think um, if Steve Kerr is offered an eighth seed place now in the playoffs, I think you'd take it. He'd take 11th place in that plane because <laughs> the West is stacked. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they got some tough nights ahead of them. It's, it's not stacked because of the Kings. Don't get yourself happy. <laughs> After last night, I'm liking the Kings more than the Warriors. And I don't have Steph Curry, but... Whoa. What I could think about with Curry last night is the Kevin Hart scene where he's like, help me. <laughs> help, <laughs> help me. me. And I'm not going to say the, the rest of it, but oh, I gosh. felt for him. I was like, Steph, he must be thinking, he must have been having dreams of him and Clay just draining these threes and now it's all gone. And he looks to his right and who is there? Andrew Wiggins. Such <laughs> a shame. Hey, Har- I'll take Harrison Barnes over, over Andrew Wiggins. Uh, I, I genuinely would. Yeah. Alex, let's actually bring you into this. So we'll get your first prediction of this. So tell us who you think at this point, week one, who you think will win the Atlantic and who will win the Pacific. Interesting. Well, actually, that's a good segment. So this, like, the scores are really early on right now. But actually, in first place, we have Ed. He's actually 1-0. You know, he's won his first game. Never lost. Undefeated. Never lost. Never. (laughs) (laughs) And then you've got George. He's one and one. He obviously won with the Nets. One up, one down. Lakers. And then Matt, you're you're own one. And then Brian Wilder, you you haven't played yet. Who I think is going to win the Atlantic. Don't say Philly. I I don't. No, no. I'm not even going to say Philly because I still need to watch them tonight. I was so impressed by Brooklyn and the fact of KD, like people, you know, they were expecting him. Oh, is he going to be the same player? KD's a killer. 
you know, he's the most unguardable player in the league. He he can stop on a dime. He nobody's blocking his shot. He's seven foot tall and he's like can ball handle like a guard. That's my pick for the Atlantic. For Pacific, I think the Lakers, mainly because of the depth. Uh, they've they've got a lot of additions. Um, also on ring night, a lot of teams uh, put in bad performances after getting their rings. I remember yeah. when the Warriors did it a couple of years ago. Uh, they 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 got spanked by the Spurs by like thirty points uh, on opening night when Kevin Durant's like his first game. So I'm not worried about that. I think it's just the ring hangover. So that's who I would say. And actually, to flip it as well, last thing, who will be bottom of each division? Bottom of each the division, Ed. Sorry, I'm it's going to have to be the Knicks. I think that's a pretty easy call. Um. And for the Pacific, I would say, oh, Matt, it really could go bad for you. I, if I was, if I had the Warriors, I'd be freaking out right now. I think they're going to end up tanking a season because next year's draft is stacked. I'm going to say the Kings, though. Oh, I think Kings oh. are going to going to be the worst. Boring. <laughs> the Warriors. The Warriors are in a whole lot of trouble. Okay. That water is slowly rising up. I'm I not even lying. Hey, it's not. It's going quick. You guys overreacted about the Warriors. I don't think it's going to be. Well, that's there. that's what we're here for, Wildy. You know, a bunch yeah. of overreactions. You know, and just <laughs> you better be careful, Wildy, because you know, I've I've given out two nicknames, and you're next. Okay, so you better be careful. Oh, I can't wait for that. Oh, I can't wait either. I can't wait. So. We'll check on yeah. him. I'm going to give him my team name. He'll deny me and give me my <laughs> <laughs> In three weeks' time, when you revisit these divisions, we'll see how much your opinions have changed, Alex, on these teams. Hello. Welcome back. The segment of the show is called Shoot Your Shot. What we have is two people going head-to-head with each other. I will come up with a question. Each player will have a minute to discuss their opinions and try and converse and try and win the argument. And a third person would decide the winner. Our first section is Wiki Wiki Wildsmith, Mr. Hawks, going up against Bandwagon Bray. So each person will have a minute. And the question is, and I'll let you know while you'll be going first. The question is, who will be winning Rookie of the Year? I've just got some stats before we start, and Wally, I'll let you know when the one-minute timer has started. The GM survey that was taken earlier this week said that 39% of people think that Lamella Ball is going to win. 29% said James Wiseman. So, a minute on the clock. Ready, go. Perfect. So, I'm going first. I'm going to be selecting Lamella Ball. I believe he's the best candidate to win Rookie of the Year. I think with his style of play where he will dominate the ball most of the time that he is on the floor, he's in a team that had a lot of different moves over the offseason, which has made them become what you might call a league pass team. So there's going to be a lot of eyes on that city. He makes highlight plays, so he's going to be in some top tens, potentially uh, building up his reputation and exposure, um, putting him more towards the narrative that he's going to be winning rookie of the year. Um, I definitely think he's the best candidate. There's, in my opinion, maybe only two others uh, that could potentially do it, uh, but he's the main one for sure. Still got 15 seconds. 15 seconds. Well, I think that he's going to surprise people um, with what he's going to be able to do with his shot. 
Um, he's had some really weird scoring outputs um, in the preseason, but he's always made sure Time. he's gone and filled up a stat sheet somewhere else. Ray, one minute on the clock. Go. It's got to be Wiseman. He's the only other logical choice. And I think the best the best scenario for him winning it is if the Warriors are a playing tournament team. So where if Wiseman is able to work with Steph Curry, really nail that pick and roll game, and you know walk into a, a double double every game, he's going to start to look like the more entertaining prospect for Rookie of the Year. He's going to be on a better team. He's going to be a major contributor, and they're not going to be empty stats, especially if they're able to make the playoffs or if they're able to make that playing tournament. I think Lonzo, while he's right, he's going to be flashy. I think it might be empty. And uh, I think being a big man, Wiseman has the opportunity to shoot way better from ball as well. He, hopefully he can be up in the you know, 50, 55, 60% range for, for, for shooting. And if, we, if he can hit some threes like he did last night, then uh, more, more to it. Perfectly executed. So now that both sides have said the argument, I will be deciding this first round and who wins. We have the mellow ball against James Wiseman. I am going to go with Wild Smith. The reason being is I've seen the mellow ball and he's converted me. I think that rookie of the year <laughs> is, is very much about highlight plays. And if you look at the Warriors and where Wiseman is, there's a big personality on that team with Steph Curry is in. You see him going around, he's doing all the shimmying. And then you look at the, the personality on the Hornets, you know, you've got Michael Jordan, the roof is the ceiling, or you've got Gordon Hayward, who, you know, I mean, he's just, he's just a bit boring. You know, Lamella Ball, he's got a bit of swagger to him. I think he's going to win a rookie of the year. Let's go to the second question. So I will set, I'll set up the question. Ed's going to decide the winner. We have Jordan O'Free or O'Free Jordan. Be Mr. South Beach. <laughs> Mr. South Beach in Matt. House of all three, baby. <laughs> Should have never came back. Should have never came back. So we have George, be Mr. South Beach, Matt. So the se second question we have is sort of the, the prize possession for, for any individual. It's who is going to win MVP this year. Uh, the GM survey, survey said... Yanis was 32% likely and Luca was 21% likely. So, George, you will start one minute on the clock. I'll let you know when you're done. Go. Okay, what do I have to say? If it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. Who's going to go in? It's going to be Yanis Antetokounmpo. Three peak, baby. House of O3. Why am I selling, telling you this? I'll tell you why. This guy has been on a pull-up game. He's been pulling himself up uh, ever since he's been drafted. All his stats are increasing year by year, and I think this man is going to do it again for the three P. Still got time. You still got time. I still got time. I'll keep going, brother. <laughs> <laughs> what can't this man do? Defense. Score points. And... On Top of that, his three-point percentage is also increasing. With that, what can I say? Time, time, time. You are, you are, you are, you are. Right, <laughs> let's go to Lambier, baby. One minute, go. Well, Yanis is the easy option, but I don't think he's going to win it this year. 
because he's won it twice now in a row. He's proven that it doesn't work in the playoffs. My selection is from the LA Lakers. And no, it's not LeBron James. It's Anthony Davis. And the reason why I've gone for Anthony Davis is the LA Lakers are transitioning now from a team where LeBron is the main man to Anthony Davis. Davis proved during the regular season last year that he can be that man. He proved it again during the playoffs and he proved it again during the finals. He's spoken with with Frank Vogel about shooting more threes. He's decent from three-point range. I don't see any faults with Davis's game. The brow, he's in my MVP. That's good. Very I like nice. that. All right, we're ending that early. So the decision lies in House Lasky. So the reason I'm making the decision is that okay, it feels like I'm gonna sense the bimnals, but Jordan, you spoke about uh what Giannis has done past couple of years and how that's improving year on year on. Whereas Matt spoke about what is happening this year compared to last year. And I think that's sort of what tipped it in that tipped it for me. Um, and also what Matt said at the start, I don't know how, how willing the voters are going to be to vote Giannis again, when it sort of loses their credibility when they vote for him again. And yet he poo-poo's in the playoffs. Um, so I think that those were the two points, the reason I'm going to have to say it's Mr. Harris that, Lancashire Lambier picks up this win. Mm. Good pick. Okay. Although I, I, I love the energy for Giannis. Like, love. <laughs> yeah, we, we hype videos for the Bucks when they start the game. I Jordan. spoke too quickly, and then I was like, "Oh snap!" <laughs> we we will I be to the end. Maybe I was be, too quick. <laughs> that's interesting. I will keep tabs on this to see who wins the argument, and maybe, maybe might include it. Within the oh, wins. please do knows? reveal at the end. Yeah, oh, I mean, the, these ones are they're popularity contest. Uh, okay. Awards. All right, Bray. Bray, Bray. Don't be salty. Wait, wait, salty already. Why you got to be oh. a Scrooge, Bray? Come yeah, on, salty. man. Hey, you calling me a Scrooge? You calling me a Scrooge? Matt's out here. He's not down with the king. He's, 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 get, that, get that king out of here. He's getting LeBron. <laughs> How can you say LeBron's about to be not the guy anymore? LeBron James. LeBron said it himself. LeBron said it himself. He's throwing LeBron James under the bus. Let order, order. Let Matt Matt talk. I want to hear this. It's the transition. This has been spoken about for some time. This isn't this new thing. This was spoken about during the playoffs and during the finals last year. LeBron knows that the transition is going to AD is going to be the main man. LeBron's 35, 36 now. Mm. He's still going to be up there, definitely. Still the king. He is still the king. I think he's the king too. But this is AD's time. I know LeBron says that, but I all think that's part of his MVP campaign and oh, how much a good teammate he is. <laughs> the bait and switch. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we move on to some headlines? Should we do it? Yeah. Okay. So the first the first headline. <laughs> the first headline I have is a big contract, and that is Rudy Gobert, the guy who shut down the entire league. As we all know, he signed <laughs> a five million, a five million, a five-year. That'd be very low. Five-year, two hundred and five million extension. I wanted to. What do you guys think of this? Um, Ed spoke briefly about his relationship with. Jazz superstar Donovan Mitchell and how their team is transitioning. Obviously, they were actually up 3-1 against the Nuggets, lost in Game 7. Donovan Mitchell exploded in the playoffs. Um, a lot of turmoil 
in that franchise. How does everyone feel about Rudy Gobert this season? Does he deserve the contract? What do we think? So I'll quickly kick us off because I've got the Jazz as my team. So I'll quickly just say what I have to say then let everyone just Mm -hmm. go from there. First thing to note is the reason he got so much was because he had the credentials to be offered the Supermax. However, he didn't take the Supermax. He took a little bit just below. Um, And when I was doing some, again, looking into the Jazz, a lot of people were saying the big thing with Rudy is that he's not a creator. He can't create his own offense. Outside of Donovan Mitchell, there's a lack of, uh, being able to create scoring opportunities on that team, maybe from ISO when you really, as Bray mentioned before, when you really need a bucket. Then the, the, the other side of it was Utah can't attract, it's difficult for Utah to attract free agents. Rudy Gobert is probably the best center they could get and it's not back in a day in the 80s, 90s where there was such a glut of really quality centers. Rudy Gobert is arguably third or fourth best center in the league which if you're looking at it from that perspective, it's quite good. But then if you take Rudy Gobert as Rudy Gobert, might not necessarily be where you want to be. Um, that's just the way I see it. So obviously I've got the Jazz moving forward. It feels fine. Um, I'm into my NFL, so I do watch a lot of NFL. When I see these contracts compared to NFL contracts, I think that this is like, wow, that is so much for someone who's not necessarily the elite, elite player. But it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a weird one. I'm not sure how you think, how you, the rest of you guys think about this. I think you touched on something really important there when you're talking about that's they could get and that's the best they could get. As you say, no longer is the league full of big guys that you know everybody's keen on on every single team. So he's a defensive player, former defensive player of the year, um, really, really key guy. They've obviously won a lot of games with him, and yeah, they blew that three-one lead to Denver, but. You know, that shot goes in from Connolly that went in and out and, you know, they're the ones advancing. So, yeah, they, they still blew, you know, three games in a row. Um, so, there was a lot more than just a Connolly shot. But that, to the point, Rudy Gobert, he's a fantastic player. They have a lot of shot creators on that team or they have as much as they need. So... Look, not everybody needs to be a Jokic or, or a Joel Embiid. These guys are generational players for a reason. They don't come along that often. So if you have somebody as reliable as Rudy Gobert, you have to lock him in. And, you know, they, I think it's a win that they didn't have to pay him the Supermax. So, so actually, I think it's a win on both sides. Uh, there's no reason for them to be losing him. Uh, he's going to be really key for them moving forward. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you guys. I mean... All you have to do is is look around the league. Um, who are the top players? Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic, um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid. You look around at those positions and you go, oh, all right, who have I got that's going to guard them? And there is no better answer than um, Rudy Gobert. Um, I think unless unless you think you can get one of those guys instead of Gobert, you just lock him up. Because Mason, Mason Plumley, surely. Yeah, of course, mate. Of course. <laughs> I was gonna say as well. I remember when Steph Curry put Gobert in a blender? That was that was. Yeah. See, he's been devalued because of that. Everyone's like, "Oh, he's washed." Like, yeah, there are certain matchups that he's not gonna do well in. Of course, he can't guard Steph Curry. Not many people can guard Steph Curry. Oh, Steph Curry's right, put most of us in a blender. Um. I would also point, so just looking at the uh, payroll for the for Utah coming forward, in 2024-2025, the year before Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell's player option kicks in, 
Donovan Mitchell will earn 35 mil that year. Rudy Gobert will earn 44 mil that year. So we'll be on 9 mil more than Donovan Mitchell for that specific year. So just putting that out players, there. Do you think players look into that? In a salary oh, yeah. cap. Yeah, in a salary cap league, even even in a non-salary cap league, because in a non-salary cap league, you're like, wait, if he's making that much, there's no reason why you can't pay me that much. But then in a salary cap league, you're like, wait, we only have a certain amount of a pie. You're getting that much, so you should be producing more. But I'm producing more than you. You got more of a pie. So in both ways, I can see, yes, no? I'm all for the contract. Like, I'm happy with it. I think we're, it's gotten to a point in the league where comparatives kind of surround the players, where... People are too focused on like, oh, well, he's no Anthony Davis, so what? So that's the point. So what? He's not trying to be that player. These players are at the top of the game for a reason. And I feel that Rudy Gobert is still um, putting in the effort and contributing big for the team. So why shouldn't he deserve that slice of the pie, as we were saying. You know? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And I think with Donovan Mitchell being as big of, uh, of being as motivated by winning as he is, if mm. there is that 10 million gap between him and Gobert, you know, he probably, he probably does feel like he's, uh, he's worth more than Gobert. But yeah. unfortunately, with Donovan Mitchell, there's a heck of a lot more wing players that, that you know, are available than there are big men, as we touched on earlier. So there's more of a market for big men like him. And look, I, I have faith on the Mitchell that he's not going to let 9 million get in the way of a good thing, which, fine, they might not get on all that well. Yeah, these are little murmurs, but we've seen what they can do together. So just because they're not buying each other dinner doesn't mean they're not getting buckets. Well, Donovan Mitchell, second in salary, second in rookie of the year voting. Unlucky Donovan. Big Ben. That's right, baby. You're such a prick. You're such a prick. <laughs> um, I, want, I want us to end on something fun, and I haven't... This is going to go off script because this news has just come in. I thought it was pretty wild. Uh, something that I want to ask you all a question. So the, the headline that we have in front of me is that the NBA is looking into the video of James Harden partying <laughs> at, a, at a strip club. So, um, so, so basically, the NBA is investigating ahead of their opener whether uh, James Harden can play. He's actually tested negative for COVID. So, my question to you is actually not linked to that. Is which NBA player, past or present, would you want to go on a night out with? And I'm going to first. I'm going to go with one of my favourite NBA TV personalities. Got to give the people. I'm going with Mr. Champagne and campaigning, Jalen Rose. The reason being is this man knows his cities. He knows, he knows what's up. And also, he's got, he's got the nicest haircut in the league as well. He's going to attract, attract the ladies. It's, it is clean. So that is my pick. Let's go down the line. Obviously, um, a bit off the script, but I would like to hear who, who you would like to go on a night out with. Only in the league, right? It can be past or present. present. Okay, so for me, I'm, I'm going to say Shaq. Okay, now, it's going to be a worry for me, like, if he trips and we're, like, dancing in the club, <laughs> that, that could be my life. Like, I'm done, you know. Are you and four um, other people? <laughs> yeah. 
but going out on a night out with Shaq, it would look crazy. Have you Stop seen it. him DJing online on his yeah. Insta and stuff and live? It would be a mad night. And anyone who says otherwise, they are out of their mind. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> that, that Santa suit he was wearing for the whole of TNT last night was unbelievable. That's so funny. <laughs> He's like, oh, so we start the early truck. He's like, yeah, trick me in what I'm wearing. That's so funny, oh, man. Man. oh, geez. Who, oh, who's man. anybody else got? I'm, I'm going to have to say Dennis Rodman. Like, the man is friends with Kim Jong-un, for goodness sake. He's mental. Like, so yeah. a night out with him would be probably the most memorable night out of your life. And also, <laughs> take you back to the 1990s. This guy's dating Carmen Electra. Like, you're going on a night yeah. out with her as well. Would you survive it though? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Robert, once you talk into a lecture. I love the pick because it's funny, but that guy's too weird, man. I would not be on that out with that man. Oh, the yeah. stories you'd have to tell from that though, if, like you said, Jordan, oh. if you survived it. <laughs> uh, this man used to bring girls to the half court line uh, in the middle of the day to, you know what. <laughs> Uh, and the you know the cleaner was there seeing it all. This guy's wild. <laughs> <laughs> On a more cleaner note, the man led the league in rebounding, and he missed twenty games. But he still led the whole league in rebounding. Oh, it's he's, he's an absolute animal. On and off the court, we're well aware of this. That is a fantastic pick. <laughs> yeah. um, I think I'm going to go on some similar lines here. Um, I'm gonna properly throw it back to Wilt the Stilt. This man (laughs) has a reputation. (laughs) He is a ladies' man, and uh, I think it'd be it'd be cool to watch him work. And I I think much information. Whoa! whoa, whoa. (laughs) Come on, in the bedroom. Come on! I don't need. No one needs that. No one needs that. Are we? Are we ending the night early? What's going on? Uh, no, no, no. It'd be it. Look, he's a ladies' man, and uh, I think he had he had insane reputation for that stuff. Insane. I wanna I wanna know what the secret is because I don't understand it. Maybe it's just being said, but so maybe that's it. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll pick Will on that. <laughs> Watch him work. <laughs> Watch him do his work. Just taking that notes right there in the corner. Just taking that notes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's fine. I'll pick up. I'll pick up the stragglers. I'm sure there's enough of them. Uh, I tell you what. If it's um, if it's going past the present, I tell you what. I could take either one of Tatum. No, what? I tell you what. Hey, magic man, keep me up. Chat. What are you trying? That was what you really think. That was what I Zach Efron. Um, I'll take now Richard Jefferson or Channing Frye because those guys, man, are so funny. Like I listen to them a lot as well. They're they're hilarious. 
then on a night out, that would be funny. I wouldn't be worried about dying halfway through the night. Uh, and that is a good story from them as well. God, we got back on <laughs> Jenny Tatum. You're playing genuine <laughs> pony. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man, it's easy. Just got to learn the move. <laughs> Ed, I think you're. I think you're last up though. So initially, I was. Th- I like to be a little bit more subtle, and I was like, you know what? Like, you don't want to like a seven foot NBA player going into the club with. I like to be a bit more subtle, like in the background. And I thought, you know what? Someone would be really cool that will still have a big name, brand name back in the day. The the original Isaiah Thomas. Um, I reckon he's got some stories being a being a Chicago guy and spending his career in Detroit. I reckon he's got some some chilled under the table stories. If we're going like proper night out, like once ever. Like, you can only go out this person once. I would say it's one or two. I'm surprised no one mentioned, of course, the original Lemon Pepper Lou. Um, I reckon that could be a, <laughs> yeah. that could be a good shout. The original <laughs> Six Man. And then the words of Drake. Yeah. Uh, six Man at Lou Will, two girls, and they get along like I'm. Lou Will. Lou Will. <laughs> so Lou Will will be a great one. And uh, if not, listening to All The Smoke, I reckon Matt Barnes is a great night out. Like, he seems like he can have an absolute laugh mm. and it's got a good banner on him. Um, and got some great stories. Uh, I think we know some of the, some Matt Barnes stories throughout his career. Um, so I think I gave you three answers, but whatever, fight me. Just don't bring Derek Fisher around. Yeah, I was gonna say Matt Barnes is a hazard. You, he'd be dragging you into some some some, some fights, man. Oh, that's great. But he would he would be great for. Oh yeah, some trouble. You know, I don't know if maybe if you're harassing Channing Tatum. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no! No one chose Jr. Smith. (laughs) Oh, Jr. would be good as well. Um, I I I don't smoke. See, Jr. Wardy and Jr. are too similar. (laughs) There can only be one of them on a night out. Otherwise, the whole thing is going shit. Yeah, that's true. That's true. James Bond Smith and. Thank you all for your answers. Very, very it's fun. Good. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the surprise round. And, oh yeah, you weren't and... Titan, were you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't wait to watch that back and see all our reactions. Do you say Channing Tatum? <laughs> oh, I, I thank you for all for all of those interesting, but I think very good options for a night out. Um, shame it's it's not going to happen, but it's okay. This has been the sixth man, end of week one. A lot of interesting storylines, a lot of teams ready to start their season. And we're going to lo- know a lot more this time next week. So from me, the sixth man, and the rest of the guys, it is over and out. Peace out, boys. Peace out. See you later. See ya.